Lori Hybe, Chris Harrington, and Aaron Courtney, three broads, bringing you stories and strategies exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo while laying the foundations for future success. Together with special guests, they'll celebrate what's working and unpack what is not so you can learn, grow, and succeed. If you want to learn more about your hosts, make sure to listen to episode one. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hey. So it's that time of year. We're all planting, or we're not, if we're not planters. I'm curious, ladies, what are you guys doing in the garden this year? Oh, I, I've really been enjoying um, the tulips that my husband planted last year. So he ordered 100 tulips from Holland. <gasps> Last year, wow. and, wow. and it's what been colors? So what colors do you them, have? All, all of the them. colors. They're just so awesome to see them popping oh, up and really that's... enjoying them. I'm like, let's do a hundred more. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever fun. see that show about the tulip uh, bubble? There was like the, I don't know, like the 1800s. There's something mm-hmm. went crazy with tulips. Like it became this commodity and it just turned into this massive bubble and people were paying like hundreds and maybe even more for tulips and then it crashed. And yeah, it's really no, interesting. Look into that. Not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The historical tulip bubble. Is mm-hmm. that how we should Google it? Okay. <laughs> like, you'll get there right away. Michael Pollan is the guy that did the show. So oh, yeah, it's really good. good. Speaking of gardening, by the way, and that's cool. I don't, my husband is the gardener and he's got something strange going out there in the raised bed that's in the front of our house. All the neighbors are very curious. I don't know what it is. It's like he's been chainsawing a little bit and yeah. So oh. we'll see what comes of that. I'll, I'll fill you in later. In so the you're just an observer. That's it. Or, I am. I know that's lame, but Chris, how about you? You're our gardener, our resident gardener. Yeah, two girls on a farm. We're getting ready. Um, it is definitely planting season. So the cucumbers, the uh, peppers, tomatoes, melons. Uh, we've got our seeds. We've got our plants. We've got to get busy. So we've got a lot of work ahead of us. Mm, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. <laughs> That's know. awesome. Yay. I love, it. I love it. All right. So we have a very special guest today. I'm so happy to announce and introduce Sarah Scudder. She is, yay, she is a (laughs) self-proclaimed supply chain nerd. She is a sustainability nut and lover of all things Bradley Cooper. And I've seen this for real. (laughs) If you follow her on LinkedIn, you're going to catch some of this. (gasps) Oh, Oh, my. She's showing us a photo right now. Love it. Oh, bare-chested Cooper. (laughs) That's. Goodness. My cell phone cover is a half-naked photo of Bradley. Oh. <laughs> That's your and cell phone. So, so you grasp his chest. All, every day. Everyone always smiles and looks really like happy because this is what you look at when you take a photo. So oh, it's kind it. of a little trick. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. No, that is wonderful. So she tells us she's been trying to get a, a date for two years with Bradley Cooper. So to our audience, if there's anybody out there that can help with this, the struggle is real folks, help us out. 
Um, she's great at loading the dishwasher, but can't keep potted pots alive. So, you know, we were just talking about uh, plants. That's, that's... I noticed I kept quiet during the gardening. <laughs> yes, yes. I hear you. I hear you. But green is her favorite color. So I think she has a true appreciation for plants with green is her favorite color. Sarah and, I appreciate, and I appreciate Lori's green headphones because they are almost exactly the source day green. So she's bringing her A game today. Ooh, nice. You're going to have to send her the model and everything. For I will. I can do that. <laughs> so Sarah is the host of a monthly voice of supply chain show that features people in supply chain doing extraordinary things. She hosts several other shows and is a regular on marketing and supply chain podcasts. She also hosts a couple monthly LinkedIn live shows. One of them is called Manufacturing Woes. And one of them we co-host together, which I just love, that is Women in ERP. Um, Sarah enjoys speaking about marketing and supply chain related topics. So Sarah Scudder, thank you and welcome to the broadcast. Yay. So excited to be here. I've been on the road, which is really exciting to get back out and see people in person. I just attended ISM, which is the Institute of Supply Management, which was a three-day conference in Orlando. And so awesome to see supply chain nerds from all over the world come together. And the theme was really around how companies can better leverage technology to automate manual work in their supply chain. So something that's near and dear to my heart and really excited that I was able to attend. A little tired, you don't get much sleep, you're up early and out late and then had a long flight, but um, it, was, it was really, really great to be with people in our industry. No, that's awesome. I know that for all of us that have been getting back out there uh, after that break of not doing those, it, it can be very tiring. Can you just tell us briefly before we get started on other things is, you know, who is, who, who, what is Source Day and what do you guys do over there? Yeah, so I joined Source Day about seven months ago and I run marketing. We are a supply chain technology company that automates purchase order changes. So both of our founders, Tom and Clint, worked in manufacturing at separate companies and they both realized that their buyers were spending a lot of time managing emails and spreadsheets that were coming in from their suppliers with changes to the purchase orders. Mm -hmm. So price change, quantity change, delivery date change, can't fulfill the full order, do you want a partial? We can't ship it out of the warehouse in Atlanta, but we can ship it out of the warehouse in New York do you still want it? So all of this back and forth that was coming into their buyers and they thought, wow, this is a really big time suck. Our buyers, we are making good money and we want them doing more strategic activities for the business, not just spending all their days going back and forth in email and then manually going back into the ERP and making those updates. So they decided there was enough of a need in the market that they were going to go build a platform to automate the back and forth between buyers and suppliers and sending those changes directly back into the ERP. So very, very niche, very specialized. We are 100% direct spend focused. So we don't play in the indirect space or all, at all. 
And our big verticals are manufacturing, which is right, Chris and I um, have that, that in common, mm-hmm. distribution, retail, and e-commerce. So those verticals typically have companies that are dealing with lots of parts, materials, and items, lots of purchase orders, and lots of suppliers. Yeah, perfect. I think you know that introduction is really good for the company, uh, for our audience to understand how this might be a really valuable episode for them. So thanks for that introduction. So tell me, you know, what do you mean when you talk about first mile in supply chain? Yeah, so this is something that I'm I'm pretty vocal about and very passionate about, and it's the fact that I have noticed in the last couple years buyers ignoring the first mile of their supply chain completely and focusing all their time and energy on the last mile. So what the first mile is in your supply chain, it's buying the parts, materials, or items that you need to get your end product ready to go to ship and distribute to your end customer. So if I'm a manufacturer, I'm probably buying lots of parts and materials. So I need to be able to go find those suppliers. I need to be able to negotiate my pricing and terms. I need to be able to place the orders. And then I need to get those materials into my warehouse so I can then produce our products so they're ready to sell. If I'm a distributor or an e-commerce brand or a retailer, it's buying the items from the third parties that you need that you're going to package and then resell to your end customer. Awesome. Yeah, I think that that's a great explanation. You know, even for me, in all my years in manufacturing, I haven't heard people refer to it as first mile. Now I'm hearing it more and more often. So I I think that's just a great uh, review of that. So why do you feel it's important for companies to prioritize the first mile versus the last mile? Yeah, so a lot of times when I'm speaking with buyers, they are dedicating most of their time, if not all of their time and resources on the last mile. So the last mile is the part of the supply chain where you have your product ready to go and you need to get it to your end customer. Mm-hmm. Whether you're shipping direct, whether you're shipping, you know, over um, cargo on the ocean, whether it's train, whether it's airplane, whatever you need to do to get your product to the end customer. That's what the last mile is. And the reason people have been prioritizing it so much is because if you miss a delivery date to a customer, you can completely lose that customer for life. And if you start getting bad reviews, it can actually really, really hurt your brand and reputation permanently. Mm -hmm. So the fact that consumers have become very vocal, posting things on social, posting things on review sites, it's very, very important to companies to keep their customers happy. And so what does that mean? It means they're prioritizing that last mile, doing whatever they can possible to get the products to the consumer on time or as quickly as possible. While I think that's super important, I argue that the first mile is actually more important because if you don't have something to send to your consumer, the last mile is completely irrelevant. So I argue supply chain 
leaders should really focus on optimizing getting a good process and system in place for the first mile so you can then dedicate your time and resources to the last mile. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Yeah. No, I love that. It totally makes sense. Um, and I, I'm curious, um, when it comes to building these relationships with your suppliers, what are some of the different terms that companies can have? And I'm sure they're regardless of first mile or, or last mile. And what effects do they have on how companies are managing their suppliers? Yeah. So the, there's been a pivot. Well, at least smart buyers are focusing on we instead of I versus them. So when I started in supply chain, it was a very, very different environment where buyers felt like they had the upper hand. They were going to negotiate and not partner with suppliers and and they didn't necessarily treat them very well. That is completely pivoted and shifted. And the companies that do well now partner with their suppliers. They don't consider them as a vendor. They consider them as a partner. And I would argue the most important stakeholder in your business today are your suppliers. Without your suppliers, you have no revenue. You have no product to sell. So there's a a whole shift in collaboration and teamwork and working with your suppliers. So what are some of the terms that are really important? The most important is figure out how to collaborate with your suppliers and become a customer of choice. So that means that when your supplier doesn't have enough product to ship to fulfill their orders, you want to get a partial or you want to be that customer that they prioritize and they're going to send the products to versus other companies. So whatever you need to do internally to figure out with your team how to collaborate and partner with your suppliers. And I would argue a lot of that means freeing up your buyer's time so they can focus on be more, being more strategic and establishing relationships versus spending their time doing automated manual work, like working in spreadsheets, like working in emails. So really think about how you can leverage technology to automate manual tasks to free up your buyer's time. The other thing that's really important to focus on is the ship date. So there is a lot of things that are out of your supplier's control. And one of those is when the product actually arrives at your warehouse. And the reason for that is if your supplier ships your product, most of the time, they're not the ones actually doing the transportation. They're leveraging a third party to do that. So once the supplier ships it, it's out of their control. It's now the the third party's responsibility to get that product to your warehouse. So if you're going to try to hold your supplier accountable to an arrival date, you're going to be tracking a metric that's out of their control and could cause friction if you're going after them and get upset that your product didn't arrive on time, but they shipped it on time. So you really want to break out and focus on the shipping time. So when your supplier actually gets the product out the door, the other thing you'll want to make sure that you do is that you take ownership of your inventory at the time of shipment. So suppliers are now expecting for you to pay for product in full when they ship it. So if you want to really leverage and your partnership and become a supplier of choice, you're going to want to make sure you have a system and process down to get your supplier paid as soon as the product ships. Mm -hmm. 
And then you have another term, which is the actual delivery date. So when does your product actually arrive in your warehouse? And again, many times the supplier does not control that because you're leveraging a third party to actually get you your product. So you want to be really clear about who's booking the shipping, who is the shipper getting the product to you. And then once you do get it, making sure you close out the purchase order and that you've got a process in place to get the product received in as quickly as possible. Oh, I, that's I, great advice. Yeah, that's great. Just summarize, yeah. uh, collaborating with your suppliers. I think that makes so much sense to get positioned as the customer of choice at 100% and, and making it a, a true partnership as opposed to a supplier, um, you know, vendor, client type relationship. Yeah. Um, the positioning on the ship date versus the arrival date or the delivery date is really fascinating. Um, and I, I really like the concept of taking ownership of the inventory at the time of shipment. Oh, however, you know, there's, there's some gray area with this third party kind of being in the possession yeah. of it though. So there's, there is a little bit of, well, there's a lot of risk and trust that's being put mm-hmm. into that. Um, if you're saying I officially own this product at time of shipment, even though it's not in my possession yet. So um, I get, maybe can you speak to that just a little bit? Yeah, it's be, there. The market is so competitive and supply is so limited that suppliers are expecting to be paid as soon as it gets out of their dock or gets out of their warehouse. So it's something that if you want to be a customer of choice and you want to be prioritized, you're going to need to know that you need to take ownership immediately. And that has major replications for your business in regards to inventory carrying costs. So especially if you're a small business and you're needing to now pre-order significant amounts of inventory so you have a safety stock and that's money that you are now going to have to tie up an inventory that may not sell for six months to a year down the road. And that's money that you're no longer then going to be able to invest in your business and in your people. So it's something that you really need to think about and weigh how much money can you free up to buy this inventory way ahead of time um, versus having money left over to reinvest in the company. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. You just described the first and the last mile, and it sounds like at every point along that journey, uh, those the relationships that you have between the different parties is what what sort of the success rides the the six lives or dies on that um, those relationships, and that you have such a great clear way of explaining these things. It's what such a gift. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that with us. I'm going to I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I want to go back to something that caught my ear. You were uh, speaking about customer reviews and you know this is a phenomenon that has really emerged with the moving business online and we all in fact I just did a customer review of somewhere we're going this weekend a search researching and it's not good. And I'm a little worried, but <laughs> you know, grain of salt, yeah. just some information anyhow. Um, so that I, I loved your explanation. I want to dive in a little bit deeper on that. What are you seeing in those customer reviews in, in particular in sort of an e-commerce environment for those that have moved to e-commerce? What's your kind of major takeaways? And then this is kind of a two-part question and follow that up with another one. So first of all, what are you seeing? What's your vibe on that? 
So e-commerce has exploded in the last couple of years and companies are no longer limited to foot traffic or local regional customers. Once you have an e-commerce store, you can sell to anybody around the world. So it's really helped smaller businesses or more innovative companies that are just getting started or launching new products really grow quickly, which is awesome, giving people that ability, but growing too quickly can also quickly kill and ruin a company. So one of the challenges that a lot of e-commerce brands have had is because they haven't prioritized the first mile and they're prioritizing the last mile in supply chain, they're not getting their items on time, they're not getting their parts and materials, and they don't necessarily have the product that they need to fulfill the orders. So step number one that all e-commerce companies need to put a process in place for immediately is how to set proper customer expectations. So many companies that do drop shipments, they need to know when something is shipped, when something is expected to arrive, all those things that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. But what happens is When you don't get your product, when you say when you're supposed to, you need to have a way to communicate that to your suppliers. So whether that's picking up the phone, I prefer humor. So maybe creating some funny videos where you have your customer success team talking to the customer and saying your product was supposed to arrive on Friday. It's not going to arrive. Um, It, you know, it got eaten up by the dishwasher. I mean, you could make up some (laughs) funny stories about it and send it to them. So the customer knows ahead of time that they're not going to receive the product. So they change their expectations. So I'll give you an example. If I'm expecting to receive a bed delivery on Friday, I probably have my entire day structured around that delivery. Uh Mm -hmm. I'm going to be working from home. I'm not going to have meetings scheduled during certain times. I've got things coordinated with my family. And if that bed doesn't arrive and I don't know about it, I'm going to be pretty upset because it not only I I was excited, I was ready to receive that. I, but I made my schedule around receiving that product. But if I know ahead of time that my bed is going to be late and it's not going to arrive on Friday and it's going to arrive a couple of weeks later, I'm still not going to be happy, but I've reset my own expectations Mm -hmm. and I'm probably not going to go online and leave a terrible review because I was communicated with ahead of time. So whatever you need to do as an e-commerce brand to set proper customer expectations is Mm -hmm. essential. And again, I recommend using video, using a human touch, using humor as part of your process to communicate with your customer. The one of the worst things that can happen as an e-commerce brand is to get bad reviews online. Mm-hmm. It can it can literally ruin your company. Mm-hmm. And I know as a consumer when I'm going on and buying something for the first time, I absolutely read reviews. Mm-hmm. I look at not only how many stars, but I go in and I read comments, I see how the company responded. And if you consistently have bad reviews, it's likely you're going to lose customers. And the other thing is once you lose a customer, so let's say I placed an order, wasn't happy, I decide to go to a competitor in the future, it's almost impossible to get me back as a customer. So losing a customer is very expensive because you're not going to get that customer back. And then there's the 
um, domino effect of that person leaving a bad review and then other people seeing it and not ever purchasing from you as well. Yeah, I, I love that. Over-communicate, basically. Over-communicate and, and keep those yeah. transparency. You know, um, I'm going to ask both Sarah and Chris uh, to kind of follow through on that thinking in a B2B e-commerce yeah. environment. Um, does it apply the same? What are some considerations to make for those um, the B2B listeners we have who might be uh, either doing e-commerce or considering investing in e-commerce? Yeah, I can jump in first just sure. because I was, I was having thoughts while Sarah was talking. You know, the bed was such a great example. In the, in the world, the B2B commerce world that we serve, um, you know, typically when parts are needed, it's because a machine is down and not in operation, which means it's not productive. And that, transpa- that transparency and information and the communication ahead of time is really important because they're not waiting uh, to put their bed in place. They're waiting for to put their mm-hmm. machine back into production. Mm-hmm. And they might have a crew that's waiting. There might be some safety uh, protocols they have to go through uh, in order to disassemble and then reassemble the machine to get that back up and running. So informing them in advance when you know that that product isn't going to ship on time is really critical for them sometimes saving you know, could be hundreds of thousands of dollars just in the preparation of getting that machine back to work. So it absolutely is important. And the same would go with reviews. Obviously, the, the, I, I agree with Sarah. If you are making those transparent communications in a timely manner, uh, your customers are likely going to forgive the situation and mm-hmm. continue to do business with you. And they're not going to post those reviews. Mm-hmm. So I, I was thinking about that as well. So I'll answer that from a a software perspective. So companies who have software often do new releases. So they're going to make upgrades or changes to the software. One of the most important things you can do as a software provider is have a clear communication to your customer about those changes and updates before they happen. One of the worst things that can happen is you have a happy customer who is loving your product. And then it's a Wednesday afternoon and they log on and something's changed or they can't access what they used to be able to access. And they're gonna quickly become very frustrated and upset and contact your customer support team and say, hey, what's going on? I used to be able to click here and run this report. Mm -hmm. I can't do that anymore. And so it creates a significant uptick in customer service tickets, which is a burden on your internal team, things that they may not have prepared for and may not have the bandwidth for. But then you're going to all of a sudden have unhappy customers. And what do you think they're going to ask after they engage with your customer success team? Well, why didn't you tell me this ahead of time? Mm -hmm. You knew you were going to be rolling out these features months ago. How come you didn't communicate ahead of time so I would have known so I could have been prepared and and set expectations for myself when I logged into your software? Mm -hmm. So if you are in the tech business and you are working on anything related to new products or features or upgrades or changes, please, please have a clear communication process on what that looks like. And I would actually argue it should be two-pronged. 
There should be an email strategy, if that's the way that you typically communicate with your customers. And then it's great to host a live event. So we actually just hosted an event last week, which was an hour long where we had our team talking about and demoing all the new features we were going to be rolling out. And then we had a live Q&A session. And we allowed people to pre-submit their questions ahead of time. So we had things ready to go. And then people could submit their questions live and feel like they were heard and answer their questions directly to our experts. Awesome. That's good customer service, right? That's that's what we keeping the customer happy. Yeah. I want to I want to jump on the B2B review. Uh, conversation as well. But Sarah, yeah. I love everything that you're sharing right now. I think it's great. I love the consumer story. Um, I love the, the two-prong approach to communication in advance of something happening. And it's so important to do that, especially when, you know, customers can can leave us. In, in and really, figures, you know? I, I mean, really, I should have said it's three-prong because after it goes live, I feel like there then is a whole nother set of communication. Sure. Right. So this has gone live. You want to send out more emails with videos, talking about it, communicating and making sure your customer yeah. support team is ready to go for, you know, what inbound they may get after the changes go live. Sure. Yep, absolutely. And I think we've talked about this on the show before, but one of the things that I'm a big preacher and believer in is that anything that's happening in the B2C space is going to happen from um, a customer journey, user experience standpoint in the B2B space. So for many years, we've trained ourselves to make buying decisions based on other people's experiences. And that's where reviews come in. Mm-hmm. And so we've been doing that. You know, we decide what vacation we want to, where do we want to travel to next? Do we want to stay at this hotel or that one? Do we want to eat at this restaurant or this one? Do mm-hmm. we want to buy, you know, the iPhone or the Android? You know, we're, we're looking at other people's experiences and how they're rating and reviewing this product or the service of the company. And so we can, we've trained ourselves as buyers to, to do that process, especially in the B2B space. So companies, buyers, teams of people are looking at what others' experiences are from a ratings and reviews standpoint with a, a software, a product, the customer service, the overall experience that they're having with that company. So it is extremely vital to have positive reviews online, which most people go out of their way to write that negative review, (laughs) but it needs to be part of an overall business's strategy to Mm -hmm. obtain the testimonials, the case studies, or just asking for those great reviews on on Google or whatever industry specific site is going to be capturing that information. Yeah. And there are sites like G2, for example, if you're in the B2B space that are they allow a buyer to go online and search for products in different categories. And it shows you the different players in the space. And those are an example of what I would call really review driven sites where I'm going to go in. I'm, I'm looking for, let's say purchase order change software, and it's going to pull up source day. It's going to talk about our product and what is it going to highlight? It's going to highlight those reviews. So having those reviews, is really essential and important in all those different aspects of marketing as well. Oh, this is such great advice. And it, 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 you know, what I love about this whole conversation is this, there are marketing leader, leaders in this call right now, Sarah included, who have 
an understanding of business and business concepts and mm-hmm. it all comes through. So this mm-hmm. is just so enjoyable, but I know we're going to shift to the next part of our show, which is, I just learned that. Um, so Aaron, I'm going to start with you this week. Gosh. Oh goodness. <laughs> you know, I always like to get kind of off the map on this one. So go hold on it. ladies. Yeah. Go, girl, go. <laughs> um, I, I get this newsletter that I, that I just appreciate so much. It's kind of a philosophy of technology newsletter. And the one this morning was talking about how the internet is not a place, it's a time. And that time is all in the past. I know this is, I, I get big here, but I thought that was really interesting, especially if we're thinking about things like AI. And that touches a lot of what we were talking about because AI is playing a bigger role in everything from supply chain to communications and marketing. AI is machine learning, that learning occurs from things that have happened in the past. And it was, it just kind of helped me to frame up my expectations of the things that I do on the internet and what I learn and what I read and how I think about innovations like, um, AI and that, you know, just remember the things that we've done in the past and the way we thought in the past is going to continue to inform what we think of as like the future. And I just thought that was an interesting framing. So, Lori, what what have you just learned? I know. (laughs) I'll give you some time with that. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, uh, I want to go in so many different directions with that, but I'll just just focus on that I brought to the table. (laughs) All right. I I got other things to do today. Um, (laughs) I know, right? Like you, like you, I, yeah, I like to subscribe to a lot of different um, interesting newsletters, but one of my favorite ones to always take a look at is actually Think with Google. Um, they always oh. have some fascinating information and they just published some info, uh, study that they did where they um, studied uh, 2000 of the world's most digitally mature companies to understand what they had in common. Ooh, yeah. Fascinating. So there's three traits that, that, that they published um, uh, in this really concise thing. And I'll share a link in the show notes to the full um, article that they wrote. Trait number one is um, to be agile and have flexible plans. So if you you know, reflect back on the pandemic, obviously, those that were able to move quickly and make um, short-term uh, tweaks to their business model were um, better suited than those that just kind of were stuck in this mm-hmm. really massive, don't know what to do state. The second one is to apply a test and learn mindset. I mean, hmm. digital moves and changes so quickly that you have to be able to adopt, um, evaluate, you know, and make those adjustments uh, very quickly. So I thought it was interesting that companies that were um, incorporating this test and learn mindset have a three X higher return on their digital initiatives. So that, wow. that's major. Yeah, it's big. Wow. And, the, and the last one actually kind of comes down to what we've been talking about a lot today, but is to be customer centric to the core and okay. everything that you, you do, right. everything needs to be focused on making sure that your actions are responding to the changes mm-hmm. in the overall customer behavior and their mm-hmm. needs. And we saw that happen, obviously, during the pandemic, that um, buying behaviors changed, the needs and the wants changed. And, and this there's this evolution that's still ha- happening right now. But mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that was fascinating. Really yeah. cool. We'll put that. Can we link to that in the show notes? Yep. Is that absolutely. Show notes. Okay. Definitely awesome. we'll in the show Very notes. cool. Chris, right. what about you? What have you uh, learned recently? I learned that 
um, there are actually more muscles in a smile than in a frown. So, oh, cool. And I knew I was going to do so much smiling in this episode cool. that I thought I should bring that because apparently, I don't know if you guys had grandmothers who said that there were more muscles that you used in a frown than in a smile, but the opposite is true, <laughs> according to science. And Which is a good that. thing. It's like a workout. That's exactly what I said is I'll be working out with the girls today on broads and, you know, it'll be just fine. So, and what I love is that when you said that, we all just had this big smile on our face right away. I know we can't see that, but it was great. Have you ever laughed so much? You've been with somebody where you're like, this hurts. Uh Uh You're working out so hard. That's what you're doing. (laughs) I feel like there's probably a lot more muscles that would be utilized in the full laugh, like the full belly laugh. They did say that it has to be a genuine smile where you're smiling with your eyes. So I don't know if you've heard that, how, Mm -hmm. you know, you really can tell somebody when they're smiling when they smile with their eyes I've always loved that um ever since I've learned that I've never forgotten it so well you know I think during the pandemic we all got real good at that because that's all there was they called the schmise like you have to smile with your eyes because your face was Mm -hmm. covered up so I think we developed a little more awareness that we need to put some of the smile up here yeah (laughs) that's great thanks Chris all right Sarah uh can you share what you just learned I'll, I'll share two things, one marketing specific and then one supply chain specific. So for marketing, spend as much time as possible with your customers, figure out where they go to get their information and then prioritize that one channel. Do not try to focus on every single marketing channel because you won't do any of them Mm -hmm. well, Mm -hmm. just pick one and crush it. For me, that's LinkedIn. That's where our buyers are, but you need to find that one channel for you and become an expert and don't try to do everything. Nice. Supply chain from what I learned just kind of reinforced at the conference I attended this week is when you are implementing new supply chain software or technology or company, an important line item in your budget is change management. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how great the software is if your team doesn't adopt it. So make sure you have budgeted for resources to make sure that the company has the tools they need to actually adopt and make that pivot and change. Oh, I think that ties right back to your article, Lori, uh, yeah. focusing on the customer and then the adoption mm-hmm. and the flexibility to, mm-hmm. to, to change totally, when you need totally. to. So that's mm-hmm. so good. So Sarah, uh, if people want to get in touch with you and you mentioned LinkedIn, um, tell, uh, tell everyone how they can get, they can get in touch with you if they're interested in reaching yeah, out. Yeah. So best way to reach out to me is on LinkedIn. You can follow me, shoot me a connect request. I also have a couple hashtags. You can follow manufacturing maven and women in ERP. I'm also on Twitter at, um, hashtag S scudder. Those are the two best platforms, but LinkedIn is definitely where I spend most of my time. Wonderful. Thank you for being here today and sharing all your great knowledge. Yeah. Thanks ladies. Thank you. All the info in our show notes. All right. Great show ladies. This wraps up today's broadcast. If you're looking to shake up the status quo at your organization or just want to connect with these broads, visit mfgbroadcasts.com. Contact Lori Hybe for your strategic digital marketing initiatives. Contact Chris Harrington for OEM and aftermarket digital solutions. 
and contact Aaron Courtney for web-based solutions for your complex business problems. We've got a great offer specifically for our listeners. You can find more information about the offers and your hosts at mfgbroadcasts.com.